This is Money Talks. We're back. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Jennifer Thomas. And uh, all right, guys, uh, as uh, I was just hawking, you know, we always look for financial questions from our listeners. And uh, we got one this week from our good friend Tom Morris, who called in and uh, talked to our producers, says his 16-year-old grandson has a small investment account and wanted to know if it was a good time to buy ExxonMobil, Chevron, and Berkshire Hathaway. Um, those are the stocks he's interested in. You should um, definitely buy Berkshire Hathaway and get you some of that Dairy Queen. <laughs> get you a Moana cake. It's Moana. Moana. Right. Uh, so, you know, he must uh, must have a, a decent bit lying around if he's going to buy all three of these. Um, ExxonMobil, Chevron, both are energy stocks. Berkshire Hathaway is officially a financial uh, because it generates most of its revenue through uh, uh, through insurance, the owner of Geico, but it also owns many other things. So Berkshire Hathaway, in my opinion, is is more like uh, buying a mutual fund traded on the stock exchange. Uh, owner of Dairy Queen, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Shaw Carpets, uh, Burlington Northern Railway. Um, I don't know. There's there's a whole lot of them. Um, many of which, uh, you know, the the biggest portion is. Uh, direct insurance or reinsurance, which is uh, insuring, uh, kind of helping other insurance companies insure uh, their book of business. But uh, what it all boils down to at this point, to be honest, um, I'm looking at the economic situation, and and uh, I would say it's probably best to go with as as limited risk as possible. Chevron and Exxon are almost like buying the same company, to be honest with you. Uh, their profitability is very similar. Their their uh, cost of capital is similar. Their their um, valuation is is very similar at the moment too. Uh, probably the the more attractive of the two is Chevron, uh, and and I don't know why you would want to to overlap that big. Um, one thing I would encourage him to do is is be as diversified as possible. If you only have the the uh, funds to purchase one of these two companies, I think it would be best to buy Berkshire Hathaway because it is more diversified. Mm-hmm. Uh, it generally tends to do well in downturns, although every one of these is likely to lose uh, something if we did see a recession. Well, it's a value play, just kind of maybe right. it's not that dissimilar to the way that we invest in Berkshire right. Hathaway. Being you know he's he's buying these companies based on. Fundamentals and right. valuation. If uh, if you think about maybe he wants some some uh, income to watch the dividends uh, grow cash in his account, Berkshire Hathaway is not the one. Uh, no. Warren Buffett's been very honest about telling you he will never uh, pay a dividend out of his stock as long as he's in control of it uh, because he uses that cash uh, to make purchases of, of uh, other companies, and, and he likes to buy the whole company, although there's a lot of stocks that he's invested in that he doesn't own the whole company. Um, he prefers to do it that way, you know, buy the whole uh, buy the whole shooting match, and then he backs off and lets managers who are in place already do their thing, and he, he gains the uh, cash that it generates. Well, I think it's impressive that the person is 16 years old and thinking sure. about these kind of things and hopefully he wouldn't be interested in the dividend and would allow that money to continue to grow and be put back into the portfolio and right. that's where you're going to see the 
biggest effect on the growth. Yeah. Now, if he if he did kind of like Buffett's doing, right. Buffett is is allowing the cash to grow, grow, and he but then he reinvests it. it. Exactly. Yes, you can do it that way. Right. And uh, you know, if you're looking, like I say, if uh, in 2008 was our highest oil price ever. Uh, it was also one of the worst recessions we'd ever had. Mm-hmm. Oil got up to $140 a barrel. When you see the dollar decline in value, uh, one of the things that you also see in the market is is uh, those assets, hard assets that are that are uh, uh, priced in dollars, actually tend to grow in value. So uh, it might be a decent play at the moment, but uh, still, you know, if you want the best diversification, Berkshire Hathaway. If you want a dividend of four plus percent, Exxon Mobil. We've covered a lot of ground today, um, talking about stretch IRAs and, you know, investments. By a young investor, uh, we've got another question that kind of piggybacks on that. This is from Martin from Forest Park. says, I like to fiddle with my stocks and do some of my own trading at times. It's a play account, uh, but I do take it seriously. No penny stocks or day trading. As such, I get emails on the best buys. Uh, the latest is 10 stocks to buy that look attractive, and uh, there are some big names. ExxonMobil, Bank of America, Pfizer, and UPS. Are these undervalued at the moment? Are they actually worth buying? I tell you, uh, if you look at a company like ExxonMobil, yeah, it, it looks relatively attractive. Uh, and when I say relative, it's relative to some of the others in the market. Uh, Bank of America is likewise. Pfizer has been beaten up with so many of the other uh, stocks in healthcare, and UPS got got a, a pretty serious kick down a few weeks ago. Um, the thing that I would say is it's this is really, in my opinion, more of an allocation decision. If you think about it, ExxonMobil's an energy stock, Bank of America's in financials, a bank, um, Pfizer, obviously healthcare, UPS is uh, industrial. So of these, KC. I'm going to say not Bank of America. Not Bank of America. I would also say not UPS being a being a uh, industrial. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got uh, you know a lot of uh, issues with its with its debt. Uh, they did this on purpose, but it's one of those stocks that uh, has has done a lot of uh, buybacks uh, over the last few years. In fact, it did it and talked about it that it was a a reorganization of the financing of their operations. So uh, they do use more debt than they use equity uh, to to uh, invest the money. Uh, there's a long-winded reason why they might do that. Obviously, as investors, we look at cash flows. Um, look, at the, because of that, though, if they've been doing buybacks, then it's probably going to make their price-to-earnings ratio look more attractive than, than it really is. So yeah. it may look undervalued when in reality – Right. If you look at the underlying financials, cash flows, EBIT, price to EBITDA, price to sales, things of that nature, it's probably a little more uh, not not quite as attractive. Yeah, and what also it does is uh, it lowers the the overall value of their equity, yeah. so it makes the return on equity a lot uh, more attractive. You know, there's certain profitability issues that you can uh, enhance. Yeah. Uh, financial by, engineering. It definitely is financial engineering. Now, you know, am I throwing rocks at them? No. Uh, local company, uh, CFOs, one of their main jobs is to, to make their cost of capital as low as possible. Um, you know, when you can borrow at the rates that are available in the market today, uh, it really gets to the point where it doesn't make a lot of sense to spend, uh, you know, more money by issuing capital uh, in the form of equity 
when it might cost you somewhere between 7 and 9% when you can uh, uh, just issue more debt at 3 to 4 Yeah, with interest rates being as low as they have been over the last, I mean, 10, 15, 20 years, it's, uh, that's why we've seen a lot more of this in companies reorganizing and, and changing their capital structure a little sure. bit to, to make it more uh, debt financed and then buying back their own shares to right. help. You know, while share prices have increased a lot, uh, especially over since the last recession, um, the price relative to their earnings is not it's doesn't not all look, that uh, expen- it doesn't look all that expensive. Right. But uh, a lot of that's due to some of these financial engineering you know, tactics, strategy. Right. I mean, like you said, uh, this part of the CFO's job, right? It's not. It is. It and is. There's nothing wrong or illegal about it. It's just that's just the way the way it works. Right. Um, if you look at uh, at price ratios like the price to sales or price to EBITDA, mm-hmm. uh, EBITDA is more of a cash flow type um, measure. Uh, sales is one of those that you can't really do much to to engineer. Right. Uh, if you look at those measures, uh, the overall market right now looks to be priced more like uh, the tech bubble, right. the top of the tech bubble, than it is, you know, its overall longer term average. You got a PE on the S and P 500 at about 19.5 at the moment. Long term average is 16.5. Doesn't sound like it's terrible out of whack. It it is a little expensive. But when you look at some of these other measures, you get a much different picture. So uh, I would encourage you, if if uh, these are your options, ExxonMobil sounds good. Pfizer's going to be decent. Uh, I think those are going to be defensive, too, relatively yeah. speaking. I mean, ExxonMobil, right. you already mentioned oil prices not really being correlated all that closely with the broader market. But ExxonMobil would probably go down if we have a recession, uh, as would Pfizer. But more than likely they would hold up better than some of the higher right. growth oriented companies. That would be my take. Absolutely. So that's, that's the answer that, uh, that I prefer to stick with. All right. Uh, we've got another question here. Diane from Kennesaw says, I found an article online about the average retirement savings uh, by age with data from the government accountability office. I'm late 30, so closer to 40, and I have more than 63,000, but definitely less than the recommended three times my salary. Am I doomed? Well, I don't think um, Diane is doomed by any means. Uh, you know, I love when you see studies or articles or recommendations on this is how much you need in order to be able to retire, and this is where you should be at this point in your life, and and one of the biggest factors that they don't ever talk about is it's more going to depend on how much you want to spend is how much you need to save. Right. So you, um, there is no set amount. You see articles all the time. By the time you retire, you must have $2 million. Yeah. Well, I, how do you know that I need $2 million? Well, how do you know that Diane isn't like a teacher who's going to work for 30 years and then, and then retire get a with pension. a, a yeah. nice right. pension that's going to cover most of her living expenses or a lot whatever? Of, or, a lot of folks within our earshot, Southern Company, it's yeah. another one that, that still right. provides a pension. There's there's a good many of them out there, and so, that does impact how uh, much you need to save. I always find it laughable when these company or these I guess this in this case it's a government agency. The, yeah. accountability, the accountability agency. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, throwing these now, numbers. Now out they're there. holding like, us accountable. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's it's very interesting that it, it it really is more dependent on how much you spend. We have clients that have multi millions worth of 
assets and dollars and investments and will never be able to retire because they spend too much. Right. And then we have clients that have $300,000 and are retired and living comfortably. And because probably they don't will spend, never yes. touch the three hundred thousand. Yeah. Right. So it just really, you know, the, you know, I hate to say it depends, but what I would recommend to Diane is to go out, you know, talk to somebody, have someone do a financial plan for you. It's never too early. The one thing that I will tell you is like the the gentleman that you were talking about who's sixteen that's interested in stocks. Sure. He's going to be much better off because the earlier you save the more it's going to compound on that growth. And it's not when it goes from 100000 to 200000 or 200000 to 400000 or even 400000 to 800000 But when it goes from eight hundred to 1.6 and 1.6 to 3.2, right. that's where you're getting. So the earlier you start saving, yeah. the better off you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an old old kind of a rule of thumb. The rule of 72s, it's, uh, it's actually more of a math thing than anything. Uh, so basically, if you think about it, um, the, the market uh, has given us 10.5% since 1925, meaning that we would have every seven years, basically, a doubling of those assets. Right. If you start at 16, you get a couple more doubles in than you yeah. get if you start at 30. Right. Uh, so and that makes a huge difference. I it mean, really it's, does. It's exponential. But to be fair, most people, when they're 16 or in their early 20s, you know, they're getting married, they're buying a house, they're having children. These are not your what what we call the windfall years. Right. You know, when your kids get out of college and then you know all you're at your higher earnings potential, it's never too late to try to make up and try to begin saving in a, a much larger quantity as you grow. And the government notifies us that this is okay. After we're 50, we can save more Correct. to our IRAs as well. So it's it's a pretty common concept. Yes. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's yeah. it's not too late, but your situation is unique to you. Right. And that's one of the things that here at Hensler Financial we do is uh, in creating a financial plan, uh, we look through all of those types of details, uh, you know, consider, consider uh, uh, how much you make and how much you spend, which mm-hmm. is, as Jennifer pointed out, one of the very important pieces, because uh, just because you have a lot doesn't mean you will always have that. Uh, right. You know, if, you, if you've developed an appetite for spending, it's going to be there. And, and the point about the 16-year-old is also valid. If you learn at an early age not to eat everything you make, uh, you tend to create a habit long term. Right. So, you know, not only are you benefiting yourself with those extra doublings, but you're also you're also helping yourself in in uh, that habit. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, this is about all the fun we can have in one show. Uh, thank you for listening to Money Talks. KC, market up or down this week? I think up. Jennifer. Up. There we go. You know I'm a broken record. Catch you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. 
This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.